You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. We're flying through December now, so tonight's show has a few festive items for you, including Christmas cocktails and Christmas markets. We're also going to have a review by our resident restaurant reviewer, Rachel Keeley, and I'll also be talking to the lovely Susan Boyle about a recent award that herself and her sister Judith received. If you'd like to get in touch with me, please drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or you know you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. Before we get all festive, Rachel Keeley from Food & Wine magazine is here with her latest restaurant review and tonight she's going to tell us about a recent trip to County Clare. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rachel, great to have you in studio tonight. Thanks, Sharon. It's great to be back here. And tonight you're going to tell us about a visit to County Clare. Yes, uh, the wilds of Liston Varna. We um, made our way to the Burns storehouse there at the um, end of the summer. And we ended up uh, visiting for during the matchmaking festival, which came as quite a surprise for us. We went wandering down to Liston Varna, which I'd never been to actually, and found people waltzing in the streets and fortune tellers parked up everywhere and uh, people absolutely us at one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so you didn't mean to go during no. the, the matchmaking festival? It was total fluke that absolute it was on Absolute fluke, time. yeah, which was great because it was one of those things you have to tick off your bucket list and you have to say that you've gone at some point. You know, now it's a bit too late for me, eight years odd later, uh, I won't be finding anybody, but we did get to have great chats with the locals and the music was lovely and there was a lovely kind of atmosphere of the carnival in the, in the town. It was, it was great to get to experience it. Well, I suppose that part of the country is synonymous with burn smoked salmon. Absolutely, exactly, of which I'm very fond. So I was very much looking forward to going to the storehouse, which is the latest incarnation. The, I think the Curtin family are very, very well known in Liston Varna um, for the Roadside Tavern, which would have won quite a lot of awards and, and be very, very popular amongst tourists and locals alike. Um, and I think I read there recently that it's been in the family, the Curtin family, since 1894, which is very impressive. Um, so between the uh, Roadside Tavern and then obviously uh, the Burn Smokehouse itself, which is now sporting all across the world it's hugely famous um, they kind of have a little section of hospitality and food um, that they, that's kind of under their control and they do it very very well uh, in Liston Varna and the latest offering is the Burns Storehouse which is sort of an events stroke music stroke food uh, kind of area literally built in an old storehouse like a warehouse so it's got lovely super high ceilings and a sense of space and it's very kind of relaxed vibe in there in terms of size then how many covers can it do is it quite spacious inside it it's very spacious and it's sort of laid out um and again this sort of like when i say sort of country fair kind of style a lot of picnic tables out there and you're just exposed pine nothing fancy about it i we sat at a smaller table with um old i think they were actually legitimately distressed seats as opposed to pretend modern distress that you get in a lot of modern restaurants um, and so there are lots of places where big families can sit down and on the day we visited it was a Sunday I think and the ladies 
All Ireland GA final was on, so there was a huge amount of families sort of gathered around these picnic tables and, and watching the enormous screen, the biggest in Munster apparently, um, with the commentary asked Gaelic, which was lovely uh, and very authentic. And other people, like couples like us, could sit along the window um, and the entrance to the uh, to Listian Varna and have a little bit sort of a quieter space there. So it is very big; it can take a lot of numbers, and I'd imagine at night time transforms into quite the entertainment venue. Would you say it's aimed at the tourists? I don't think so, actually. Um, I think it's a bit of a mixture, to be honest. Um, there were plenty of tourists there, of course, but I think they were outnumbered by locals. A lot of sort of, um, on the day that we visited, a couple of older women gathered around for a chat and, and a glass of wine. Quite a few guys had come in for sort of a proper feed. They even had pints of milk uh, on the table, which I hadn't seen in a while. Um, and again, families who had come in to watch the match together. So I think actually it had sort of a, a more of appeal towards the, um, the locals. Well, speaking of proper feeds, tell us what sort of things were on the menu to satisfy an appetite that's looking for a proper feed. Well, this was, yep, there was plenty to choose from, but at the same time, um, the menu is quite short, short and sweet. They are famous for their pizza. That's what they really go for at the moment. Uh, so they have this huge uh, gas-fired um, oven, essentially, um, Furina, I think, or Forni, it's um, the brand. Uh, and it's sort of situated in the middle, and then in this lovely sort of rustic, uh, authentic way they have a list of pizzas on uh, brown wrapping paper just uh, stuck to the wall essentially uh, and of course the only one that, that appealed to me and the one that we had to go for was the um, smoked salmon pizza so we started off with that uh, and it was absolutely fantastic as you'd expect I mean they're the experts really uh, in terms of smoked fish um, the one that I had uh, was burned smoked salmon and it was draped across a blanket of mozzarella and then dotted with these lovely sort of tangy, briny, moss green capers. Uh, very, very satisfying, very, very flavoursome and cooked perfectly. Just the edges with that lovely sort of crispy, darkened, flame-touched uh, edges to it. So very, very tasty. You like your pizzas? I do like my pizzas. It was a bit of a melee the table over this one. I had ordered it and I was forced to share, so... <laughs> I wasn't very happy. It was quite a good size as well. Um, so to be fair, there was enough for both of us and it was €14.50, Euro so not terribly expensive for something that involved organic, uh, locally smoked salmon. I think that sounds like great value. Yeah, yeah, for something quite sort of um, authentically local and, and something that uh, you wouldn't be able to get certainly in your local pizza joint elsewhere, you know. And what did your dining partner go for? He was uh, occupied by the... They have a flame grill at the at the end as well. Um, but they were kind of cooking various different meats on it. So the menu, as I said, is, is quite short for that um, end of it. They have like steak, burger, chicken, bacon and salads. And essentially you can sort of pick one of the following. So uh, a lot of people we noticed were having the bacon and cabbage there. That seemed to be a very popular dish. Uh, but Anthony went for the burger because of this flame grill. He thought it would, it would definitely be something worth trying. So we it, it got served with lovely, big, proper, old-fashioned chips. They were fantastic. And uh, this lovely kind of combination of floury potatoes, lashings of vinegar, and then this, this proper quality sea salt. Um, it tasted like sort of cold evenings on the way home from school with warming your hand over a bag of chips it was really properly um, traditional well-made kind of chips the burger itself was a little underwhelming it wouldn't have been sort of the best one I ever had I think it was more less to do with the beef because the beef itself was quite tender and it had a lovely flame grilled crust in fairness which is very very flavoursome um, but the bread bun was a little bit tired and the lettuce possibly had um, been better the day before and it just wasn't Possibly it wasn't as up to scratch as the pizza was, for example, do you know? But still very hearty and very satisfying.
You mentioned that you saw some ladies there having wine. Is there an extensive wine list? Um, in, not necessarily. It? It's um, it's quite relaxed. Uh, the whole thing is quite, is very relaxed. It's it's meant to be sort of an easygoing place that you can go in, grab an easy bite, watch the match, listen to a bit of music, um, and so it doesn't have sort of the formal dining menus per se. Uh, so there there was wine there. There's certainly an operational bar didn't see any wine list what they really are into and what a lot of people were drinking was the locally brewed beer so they have the burn beers um, that are actually brewed next door uh, and I had a glass of um, the smoky burn red which I'm not a huge beer drinker but this is very very nice yeah. when in Rome when in Rome exactly and it, to be fair possibly the reason why I'm not a big beer drinker is because I find there's quite a chemical taste off a lot of the big brands um, I, there's something about it that just doesn't just doesn't sit very well with me whereas I didn't get any of that with these it felt very smooth and um, possibly something a little bit um, better made because in smaller quantities do you know Um, Anthony then had the uh, burn black which is a stout so how he had room for pizza and burger on top of all that I'll never know but he loved it again really really enjoyed it so it was a good stout compared to the, the, the really well-known brand of stout that we have here in Ireland. Yes, and like most Irish men, he's very particular about that stout and how it's delivered and uh, how fresh it is and all the usual stuff that we've all heard a million times. And he was very impressed with this one, so it certainly stands up well. Was there room for dessert then? Did you manage to squeeze something in yourself? There wasn't much room for dessert, but uh, as you say, when in Rome, we had to give it a try. Again, as part of this sort of relaxed, familial atmosphere, they just have one dessert on offer that day, and it was apple pie. What else really could it be? Um, and at the time, I remember thinking that my two grandparents or two grandmothers would have very different baking styles. One really liked kind of really light French tarts and kind of delicate pastries, and the other liked proper big phone book size pies that would kind of keep her four boys well fed um, and definitely the burn storehouse opted for the latter these were proper big pies with a lot of eating in them as as they would say locally so um it was nice it was very flavorsome the apple uh, was you know nicely sweetened not overly bitter at all and the pastry was gold on the top and, and nicely cooked just very very heavy uh, so definitely it's one to share i think Okay, so whenever the bill came, what did it all come to and how did it compare price-wise to other places you've been of late? Um, very well, to be honest. I would, we spent €41.40 on lunch for two, so that was two main courses and beer and a pot of tea and pie. So, you know, in fairness, for two hours, you know, nicely spent in front of a match on a Sunday afternoon in a nice atmosphere uh, in a lovely little town, that was certainly good value. Lovely. Mm-hmm. So you've written about that in Food and Wine magazine and listeners can read it in full detail there. And what about your blog? How is it doing these days? It's good. I actually updated it all a couple of weeks ago. I was particularly industrious one day and put up all the most recent reviews. So uh, th- this one should be going up in the next week or two. Okay, great. And the web address? It's www.rmkeely.com. Brilliant. Rachel, thanks for coming in and we shall talk to you again soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Lovely as always to talk to Rachel and we look forward to her reviews during 2017. And indeed, if you have a dining spot that you think she should visit, then drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie. Include all the details there and I'll pass them on to Rachel. Still to come tonight, we have Christmas cocktails to quench your thirst and PJ Hartnett from Fulch, Ireland has everything you need to know about what Christmas markets and festivals are on all over the country.
Next, though, we're heading to the phone to talk to Susan Boyle. Susan has appeared on the show in the past to talk about her show, A Wine Goose Chase, which tells the story of the Irish's links to wine. Well, she's just returned from London with her sister Judith, who is a beer sommelier, and they came loaded down with awards. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Susan, congratulations are in order. Tell us about your latest success. Oh, Sharon, thank you so much. Um, well, Judith and I um, were nominated in the Beer Writers Guild Awards this year. And so on the 1st of December, we headed over to London and we came back with Silver Prize for the best regional beer writers. And we came third in the beer and food writing category, which is extraordinary because this is a competition where there were like over 170 beer writers who entered from all over the world. And first of all, we were the only Irish people who were shortlisted for the nominations and then to come home with the prize we're ecstatic well congratulations it is well deserved and you must tell us then about the column that you write it's a weekly column isn't it yeah, so we write a weekly column in the Leinster Leader and I suppose this is the time where I have to plug them as well and thank them for their support because beer writing is something that doesn't always get enough print. So it's really wonderful that they give us 600 words every single week to promote beer and talk about beer and um, write about the brewers that we meet and just have a really, really um, in-depth kind of conversation about beer. Because beer is beer is one of those subjects that has got cool now, but it's one of the most ancient drinks. Um, people have been drinking it thousands of years it predates whiskey and champagne by thousands and thousands of years um, and I think it's about time that it kind of took its rightful place as, as a beverage of note so it's, it's great to be able to have an opportunity to write about it and then to be recognised for the writing that we do as well. No better duo too because Judith is one of is it six female beer sommeliers in Ireland. Yeah, there's a, thankfully there's a growing number of people, which is good, which really shows that people are getting interest, interested in it. But I think when she um, qualified as a beer sommelier, I think there's only one other female beer sommelier in the country. Um, so it's really nice to see that that category has grown too. And then she's a scientist as well. So it's a lovely writing team because I just sit with her and I know that everything that we're going to write is going to be correct as well because sometimes if you love a beverage and you like to enjoy drinking it sometimes there's quite a different process in making sure that you're communicating correctly about that and you're getting the facts out there and I always know that with our team that we sit down we enjoy what we're writing about but then we also have the technical knowledge through Judy's expertise to back it up and and to know that what we're writing isn't just pulled out of the air. And that must have come in handy whenever you wrote your beer play that the two of you do together. Yes, so we came up with the idea of doing a play called Tales of Ales, which tells the stories behind beer styles and incorporates a beer tasting into a performance. So it's like storytelling and beer tasting in the same time. So um, we premiered that as part of the Boyle Arts Festival and then we toured it to Ballymaloo last year for the Ballymaloo Festival down there. And now we're kind of, we have, we have it out and about. So um, we're in a position where next year we're going to be touring it all over the place. So, so keep an eye out for Tales of Ales. I believe at Ballymaloo there was somebody very well known in the food and drink world that tweeted yeah, about it. There was, there was quite a few people actually, but one person you might be mentioning is uh, Yota Matalengi. Um, we served our own beer, Bridge Sale, as one of the beers that we decided to taste for that event. And he sent a little tweet to say that Bridget's Ale was the bee's knees. Um, and considering we make it with honey, I thought that was <laughs> a lovely way of putting it.
Bridget Seal, is it widely available or what's the story with it at the moment? Oh, is it just from yourselves in Kildare? Well to have it. In the new year it's going to be more widely available but we've been hoarding it and keeping it to ourselves a little bit but <laughs> it's about time that we got it out there because lots of people who've tasted it really enjoy it Sharon so um, now it's just their job to do to do the hard side of it which is the, the distributing and getting it out to other people but um, we know we have a willing a willing and thirsty audience for it so <laughs> it's just a matter of, of waiting to the new year and then you should be able to get Bridget Sale out and about. Well speaking of 2017 it's going to be an incredibly busy year for you because I know now you're taking a wine goose chase out in the road all over the country and Tales mm-hmm. of Ale so I, I know you haven't launched your full programme yet and you have a few slots left I believe. I do yeah so this is a good time of the year and um, if people want to get in touch with me to think about things that they might be interested in doing with either Judy or I beer tastings and wine tastings and then either the two shows the beer show or the wine show um, a wine goose chase and they can just contact us and let us know and then we can slot them into the programme for next year because um, yeah it is, it's shaping up to be busy but busy is good <laughs> busy yeah we all thrive and you thrive on being busy I <laughs> we think. love being busy when, when you're self-employed Sharon you don't complain about being busy you work when you get work <laughs> having seen both the shows I know that they're they are a great fit obviously with food festivals or mm-hmm. drink festivals that people might be holding or even if they're doing like mini markets and things like that or yeah. potential fundraisers you've done them for fundraisers mm-hmm. as well yeah. for people so yeah. you know people listeners should keep that in mind and your website awinegoosechase.com is where all your contact details are. Now, before you go, Christmas Mm -hmm. is also going to be a busy time for you because you're doing a lovely show for children. Oh, I am, yeah. I'm taking a little bit of a step back from the beer and the wine side of things and I'm doing a children's show in the Riverbank Arts Centre. So um, that's going to run for 12 performances and we're doing some schools performances before the schools finish up and then we're also doing some performances on Saturdays as well. And it's really lovely. It tells all the stories that are behind very famous traditions. Um, and it's just lovely and very Christmassy and I'm learning my lines at the moment. <laughs> it's going really well. And how did you get, get involved in something like that? So I've been curating an exhibition with Kildare County Council for about the last 10 years and it's a collection of items that have been donated to the people of Kildare by embassies um, outside Ireland and then by countries with embassies within Ireland. So we put a call out about 10 years ago and we asked people if there was anything that they noticed in the cultures that were different to the traditions that we have at home. So we got an array of wonderful things and then I curated the stories and collected those together so that we could create an exhibition first of all and then because it's an exhibition the space is limited for people to see it so we thought well wouldn't it be lovely to turn it into a show where you can have an audience of 180 people seeing it every time it's performed and hearing those stories and hearing about those kind of um, cross-cultural links because I know from our traditions here in Ireland it's quite Christian focused and it's Christmas but in every major religion and even predating major religions there's festival of life at this time of the year Um, and I love that kind of simple story that people come together to celebrate the birth of a child or to look for hope in darkness and light at the darkest time of the year and I think they're kind of essentially human things that are nice to celebrate. Who are you collaborating with to to write it and perform Uh, it? So I'm collaborating with um, a writer 
called Owen Doyle, and he's also the assistant county arts officer in Kildare Town or in Kildare County Council. And um, then we have a team as well that have been supported by the Riverbank Arts Centre too. So um, Alex, who's working as director on it, she's the venue manager. She works in the in the Riverbank as well, um, and she works in box office there. And so she's going to be director on the show too. So it's really lovely that what Riverbank have done is that they've decided to and Kildare County Council too decided to support something they can grow from their own resources. And then um, we'll, we'll see what happens at next year. But um, it looks like we might take it out on the road for next year as well. But it's early days, yes. So. That sounds so lovely. Our, our first performance is over us. Oh, so it's written and it's on it's on show at the moment in the Riverbank. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 the season is just starting in the Riverbank now. So, um, yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> Well, it sounds fantastic. So enjoy that. Congratulations again to you, you and much. Judith. Give give our regards to Judith. Congratulations on your award. Best of luck for 2017. A very exciting year, no doubt. And we look forward to keeping an eye on even more successes in the future. Well, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to me, Sharon. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Susan. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. So far on the show tonight, Rachel Keeley from Food & Wine magazine reviewed the Burren Storehouse in County Clare. And just before the break, we were celebrating the successes of Susan Boyle and her sister Judith in Kildare. Still to come tonight, we have Christmas cocktails coming up. But before that, we're going out and about. And whenever you hear this next interview, I hope you will do exactly the same. I was recently in Limerick City and when I was there, I met PJ Hartnett from Vulture Ireland. And PJ told me about what Christmas festivals and markets are on during December. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. PJ, we're so lucky in Ireland that we have so many festivals, markets all over the country and Christmas is a fantastic time to get out and about and really enjoy those. That's true. I listened to lots of stuff going on, particularly this time of the year and it's great to see, you know, um, food producers uh, being out and about and and people in general um, uh, trying to uh, get to the food stalls and get to the various markets around the country and, and sample these goods. So let me tell you about a couple of things that are going on. Um, in Cork, in Skibbereen, you have a food market that's starting every Saturday and it's up until the 24th of December. Uh, that's about 10 years in the, in the making. Uh, you have a, for some very good food producers there called uh, Natural Rebel and they do cider vinegar. You have Gobine Farmhouse. Uh, which is very famous for its cheeses and charcuterie. And then you have a new company as well called uh, West Cork Pies, and you'll see some of their uh, products on shelves in Tesco and SuperValue and so on. And then th- that brings me on to do the farmer's market in Middleton, and that's run every Saturday. There's a strong emphasis on food as well, and a uh, good uh, fine display of uh, food producers there. And then uh, up until the 31st, and that brings us over to Kerry, uh, the 31st of December, you have um, your Xmas food markets there. And they run uh, every Saturday from 11pm to 5pm, 
and the dates there are also the 21st and the 23rd there will be a strong emphasis on uh, food as well so that's a perfect opportunity to pick up those last minute buys whenever the the festival or the the market goes on close to christmas that you can get your cheese and your fresh products there that yeah keep l- for you over l- christmas lots of products there like uh, you know your artisan cheeses your artisan uh, meats and so on uh your condiments to go with uh, your turkey and your ham and so on uh, there's a, a new festival a new christmas um a festival called Yulefest in Kilkenny and that's run up until the 24th of December. It focuses on music and craft but particularly in food because it's run with uh, in conjunction with the Taste Kilkenny group. Now this is run in Roth House on Parliament Street in Kilkenny and across the way in the courtyard in Grace's Castle they have uh, a number of food stalls in there and uh, you can go and sample the fine products. Particularly Kilkenny would be known for uh, you know, uh, their fine producers down there and they do a great festival every year savor kilkenny in october time so if people miss that then that's an ideal opportunity to make the visit to kilkenny that's it and then uh, uh you know we have other uh great markets on around the country as well and uh, i'll tell you a little bit more about those uh we've got galway and that's a, a, a great christmas market uh it's run from november 16th to december 22nd um, Monday to Wednesday, it's open from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then Thursday uh, to Sunday is from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Now, you've got some really good producers there. Uh, you have um, Martin's Crepes. Uh, you have a Dare Farm pork products. And you can sample all those, whether it be in a in a BAP or in a uh, in a crepe or, what, or so on. Then you have Lucky Bites waffles. Okay, so all different types of toppings like ice cream and chocolate and so on. You have Delices, which is a Canadian company, and they focus on maple syrup, and they make uh, their Canadian mince pies as well. You've got a a German-style donut um, uh, food uh, stall, and they focus on mini donuts as well, and you can have various toppings with that. And then you have your chimney cakes, and these are the quite famous up in Galway. they're wrapped around a pipe and they're baked over a naked flame and you can have them then with Nutella and and cream. So it's great for the family to get out there. Uh, you have a Middle Eastern bakery as well that specializes in uh, baklava and excuse me, various different uh, toppings like honey and syrup. And of course you can get your hot chocolate and the Bailey's hot chocolate for the mammies and daddies. Uh, they have a famous uh, Ferris wheel up there. They have a vintage carousel. They have a helter-skelter uh, slide. And of course Santa will be there as well. Just whenever you talk about the families, then I think it is a great opportunity to get out with children and let them sample some foods that they've never maybe tasted before. And if all else fails, then you do have the lovely crepes with the Nutella, which will keep them occupied for a good half an hour at least, whilst you have a good look around the exactly. stalls yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, while the kids are eating and they could stay with either mummy or daddy, one of them can go off and have a look at, at, at what's happening there. Good plan. Good yes. plan. So that brings me on nicely then to uh, Cork and it's the Glow Festival which is run from November 25th to December 18th and that boasts a 30 metre high Ferris wheel it has various um, locations around the city uh, again focusing on crepes sandwiches, some nice takeaway burgers and uh, some pork products as well, Um, that's run every Friday and Saturday from 12pm to uh, 9pm and that's run up until January the 8th 
So next we're uh, back down to Waterford and this is the Winterville down there. Um, five years um, this year uh, in existence. Um, it has a horse-drawn sleigh which will bring uh, the family around um, uh, Waterford City. Um, it will give us, a, 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 there's a nice express train there for kids. There's international food stalls. You can get homemade burgers, um, hot chocolate. And from the 15th to the 23rd, there is Ballyhack Smokehouse. And they will be there with their um, famous uh, smoked salmon on display. And you can go and have a taste of it as well. Uh, there's about about 12 food stalls there. And again, I said, uh, as I said, focusing on... Um, on uh, local produce as well. Um, you have your Indulge, which is another uh, food stall there, which focuses on coffee, deli uh, products and crepes. And then there is the Sugar Mama, which is another uh, food stall, and they focus on the Bratwurst sausage and it's uh, cooked over o open coals. And then you have the Hartree Kitchen, and they focus on curry paste but you can actually have go and taste the curry sauce with some rice and so on so uh that brings me on then to uh an unusual one it's held in strand hill in sligo and it's held at the airport so it's held in the hangar of the airport there so a lot of people might not realize that sligo has an airport I didn't know they had an airport. Yes, they do. And uh, this is its third year now. And uh, they have a strong emphasis on food as well. There's a lovely uh, food stall there. And it's called My Strand Hill Bakery. And they focus on um, artisan breads like sourdoughs and so on. And, you know, you can once you get in there, it's, it, 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 it's a whole uh, hive of activity. Uh, there's lots of crafts there as well. And... Um, that is uh, one to watch out for as well. So if you're up that side of the country, you know, definitely pay a visit to the uh, Strand Hill uh, Christmas Market. And then that leads me nicely on to um, our own markets here in Limerick City. Um, and that is the Christmas Market at uh, the Milk Market. Now that is run from the 15th to the 24th of December. There's 10 days of events that are on. Uh, David Fitzgerald is the uh, milk market manager there. Um, and again, um, this year they're focusing on the food market Xmas, uh, Christmas excuse me, edition. So what will be on on the two nights, which is the 15th and the 17th, will be a uh, focus on seasonal cuisine. You can sample mince pies, Christmas hams, brandy butters, and then there is a number of stalls with Christmas desserts. You can also buy, you know, your... Uh, your uh, Brussels sprouts and your parsnips and your carrots and your potatoes at the the stalls as well. There will be um, there will be uh, veg suppliers there and so on. So it, it it's free entry. Uh, there'll be it'll be family focused again. There'll be a big emphasis on seasonal food. Uh, there'll be some alcohol served uh, from six p.m. Uh, Irish coffees and so on and 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 mulled wine. And there'll be seasonal mu music and 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 uh, some. Uh, carol singing as well so you know that wraps it up nicely um as i said uh, there is a very good website uh, to visit if you want some extra information and it's called it's uh, www.mast.ie that's markets alive support team and they will give you um some great information on um 
upcoming events for 2016 and 2017. And of course, you can log on to uh, discoverireland.ie and that will give you a listing of all the markets, uh, the, the Christmas markets that are listed for 2016 as well. Fantastic. Well, I know now as a Limerick woman, albeit a blow-in one, I would have huge confidence in what Limerick Milk Market do. They always put on great events there and it's fantastic to see that they're doing something special for for Christmas. You're a Tipperary man, so what are you... Um, well, I'm not. I'm actually from <laughs> West Limerick, so uh, but there's lots of things happening in, in, in Tipperary as well. You have a taste of Rossgrave, which happened there about two weeks ago. Um, then you have the Tipperary food producers, and they have some fine products as well. Um, you have various different... Um, I suppose one day events leading up to Christmas in all the small little towns around Tipperary and then in Limerick as well you know you have again the the Christmas market here at uh, at the milk market is absolutely fantastic um, and there is a Limerick food producers group as well that uh, the market are working with and again to highlight the fine abundance of artisan producers that we have here and their great products as well So exciting plans for 2017 I would imagine in Absolutely, Limerick. there's a lot of plans for 2017, particularly for the Limerick food producers, they've got a great um, variety of producers uh, within the hub and you know it's going to be a, a pretty exciting time for uh, in 2017. They've lots of plans. They've lots of plans to promote Limerick as a food um, destination. Um, some you know some great ideas there as well. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to that in 2017. In the meantime, thanks so much for sharing all of those details with us, and have a lovely Christmas. Thank you very much, and uh, very same to yourself. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, I was talking to PJ Hartnett from Fulcher, Ireland about the Christmas festivals and markets taking place all over Ireland during the festive season. And if you visit discoverireland.ie forward slash food, you'll find more details about what is on offer there. Now, you might have heard me saying to PJ about him being a Tipperary man. Well, I do believe he lives in Tipperary. I wasn't aware that he came from West Limerick. So we must give a shout out to Mammy who is in Drumcolour. Earlier in the show, Rachel Keeley from Food and Wine magazine reviewed the Burren Storehouse in Lustenvarna in County Clare and we were also talking to the lovely Susan Boyle. If you are just tuning in, you can catch the full show later in the week on the podcast and you'll find the podcast on SharonNoonan.com or if you have a look for it, you'll find it there in iTunes where you can download it free of charge and then use the little podcast app to listen to it whenever suits you. It's time for the final interview of the evening and last week Ron Forrestal from Forrestal Wine Merchants had lots of suggestions for wines to go with the Christmas dinner and a little bit of fizz beforehand. Well if you enjoy a cocktail now and again like myself and you're looking for some inspiration in that department help is at hand thanks to Leslie Williams. We put a call into Leslie for the Christmas show last year so tonight is the perfect opportunity to remind ourselves of the great ideas and tips that he shared in December 2015. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Good evening, Leslie. Only a few days to go to Christmas now, so um, we've still a bit of time to get a few last-minute items in, and you're going to be very useful in this department whenever it comes to Christmas cocktails. 
well, this is what I'm, I'm suggesting I might be able to some use, but um, one of the proctors, I think, are one of those things that, that people should, which should just, just stay fairly close to home. Don't go mad buying 20 new ingredients that you're never going to use again. You know, don't bother with the banana liqueurs and, the, uh, and so on. But there's a few things, I think, that everyone should have in the house. First thing I think you definitely need is a bottle of Angostura bitters. Bitters are, a, well, they're kind of an alcoholic preparation, as we should call it, with, made from botanicals of some sort that are quite bitter in flavor, sort of sour or bittersweet. So Angostura is the, the absolute classic. And this is something that you kind of add a dash or two into a cocktail if you've gone a little bit too sweet with, uh, with the other flavorings. So obviously whiskey, vodka, gin, you probably will have. But there's one thing you might not have, and I was going to suggest an orange liqueur such as Grand Marnier. A little bit more expensive, but it is the best by far. Cointreau is the cheaper alternative. And both of those will work, or triple sec, which is, which is what um, basically those two, two drinks are. And those are liqueurs or drinks that you can use in your cooking at other times of the year as well. Exactly. Um, I mean, the bottle of Grand Marnier is incredibly useful. I use it, um, there was various things I use it in. Crepe Suzette is the obvious one, where you make some pancakes and then fold them in little triangles and then flame the pan with um, a little bit of uh, cognac traditionally and then finally some Grand Marnier and let's reduce that down and, uh, and it's delicious. And if I'm making orange ice cream, which is really a simple vanilla ice cream with some orange peel and some reduced orange juice, I always throw a dash of Grand Marnier in and it adds a lovely um, orange rich kick to, to the flavour. That sounds lovely and I like to put it in a little bit of, of fruit salad. Yeah, I think it would be absolutely up. lovely like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. It's just one of those great things that we forget about. Now, it isn't hugely cheap. In, in Ireland, in supermarkets and stuff, and in off-licenses, it is in, in the 40s often. Um, but it is one of those things you sometimes will see at, on deals at Christmas, and you'll sometimes see it, um, especially in um, duty-free, for example, anyone passing through the airports um, in France and that, you can often pick up Grand Marnier really cheaply, or in the supermarket in France, in fact, as well. You know, If you're not drinking, again, I... I tend to keep it fairly simple. Um, I make elderflower uh, cordial every year, but you can buy a really good brand. Thankfully now there's a good brand called Richmond, R-I-C-H-M-O-U-N-T, and you should find that in any decent um, uh, kind of gourmet shop, if you will, if, you, if, if there's something like that. Uh, is Ivan's is gone now, I think. Is it there on the corner in in, in Limerick. Limerck, it's back again. It's back again. Okay, well, yep. that would be the kind of place I would suggest that would probably stock it. Um, but it's, it's, if you Google it online, it's fairly easy to find. It's made in, in Longford, um, initially just from the trees on their own farm, but they've now planted an elder orchard, and they've um, and it's, it's, they've got a, an endless supply of this, and it's been going very well for them. It won a food right, Irish Food Writers Guild Award there just a, a year ago. And, uh, um, and if you ever want to make it yourself, unfortunately, you're going to have to wait until May. But I can give you my quick recipe for it, which also serves as a lemonade if you do not serve, if you do not add in the, the elderflowers. So, uh, and this, is, this couldn't be easier. It's 3332. Okay. My, my aunt's recipe from uh, Yall in County Cork, the Auntie Beryl, um, and um, it's uh, three pints of water, juice and rind of three lemons, and two ounces of citric acid, and three pounds of sugar. So three pounds of sugar, three pints of water, three lemons, juice and rind, um, heat up the, the liquid until the sugar is dissolved, um, and more or less, and this, add in the citric acid, and that's more or less it. Let it cool. It's a dilutable lemon lemonade, basically. It's incredibly easy. Just explain and to people what citric acid is. So citric acid is vitamin C and is available in any um, chemist shop. So um, certainly the bigger chemist shops, such as, say, Boots or the bigger chain should have it. It usually comes in a little white tub with an orange um, sticker on it. 
Um, and uh, not, not every chemist will have it, but it is one of those things that um, is used in brewing, for example. And in, so it, it is the kind of thing that they're, these shops are stocking because people who are preserving and stuff um, will, will often come in and look for it. Um, but certainly the bigger supermarket, bigger um, chemists should have it. Um, and it's, 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 it's easy to make. It's very, very easy to make. It's also citric acid is also used to clean bottle steriliser, baby bottle steriliser. There you go. It's a while since yeah. I had to do that, but yeah. uh, I think that is... So I'd say I have some of that lurking <laughs> in the cupboard somewhere from, from that job from a number but of years you, ago. And you can eat like people think, oh, acid, but it's, you know, it's something you can dip your finger in and it's got a lovely fresh taste, so it's actually very, very nice, you know. Yeah, I interviewed Joanna Blytheman a number oh, yeah. of months ago and of course she had her book Swallow This and she is all about what goes into different foods and this was something that I had raised with her about citric acid being in foods because I automatically assumed that it was something very bad. Exactly, you probably would have done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's another bad. discussion for another yeah, exactly, day. exactly. So um, now, after dinner, right, when on a Sunday night, um, one of the things that I do is I go over to the um, cupboard and I look at the big cocktail book that's beside me. I'll give two names, actually, of cocktail books if people are thinking. If you go into your average bookshop, um, there's all these 1001 cocktails and, you know, generally no-name ones produced by cheapy publishing houses, not, and, and they're probably all fine. But I do think it's actually worth spending money and getting one by someone with a bit of authority. And there are two names I'd give you. One is Michael Jackson, easy to remember, uh, sadly dead now, but he wrote a number of good cocktail books, and there's usually one of his on the shelf. And I would go with him over any of the other sort of names you've not heard of. And the other name I would go with is Simon Differett. And uh, he's, he's a whole range of books out now. Um, they're pretty and they're usually well organized and very clean and easy to understand. Um, like the last one I bought had a lot of, he only used certain brands, which bothered me slightly, but I think they helped pay for it, so I suppose we'll forgive him that. But in terms of recipes, he's kind of the, the standard guy at the moment. Uh, Michael Jackson sadly is no longer with us. He was a beer and um, whiskey and spirits writer, Michael Jackson, and, uh, and he wrote a number of definitive cocktail books. Um, but those books are great, and you probably should have one, but again, they often call for unusual ingredients. You know, just, you probably have whiskey in the house. As I said, you've probably got Grand Marnier, you've got bitters. If you put in a, one measure of, of whiskey, and not your best whiskey, you know, your less expensive one. Ideally bourbon, if you have it, but if you don't, just regular um, Bushmills, White Label, or Jemison will work. So one measure of whiskey, half a measure of an orange liqueur such as Grand Marnier, or Cointreau, and then a dash of bitters and over ice. And it's just a very easy, simple drink to drink. Um, and it's not unlike an old-fashioned. Uh, it's not unlike an old-fashioned. Old-fashioned's a little bit more complicated, but, but again, it's fairly, fairly simple. Can I just talk very quickly about tonics as well? Tonics is one of those things that everyone is going to be hearing about. Can I ask you, before you go on you to that, is, sorry, Jack da- on here. is Jack Daniels a bourbon? Not strictly speaking, because okay. it doesn't come from Kentucky, it comes from Tennessee, but it is effectively a bourbon. It's, it, it's made in the exact same way. Okay. Um, but I think, um, yeah, and it is called, it's a Tennessee bourbon as opposed to a Kentucky bourbon. So yeah, it is a bourbon, but it's, we, we, we categorise it slightly separately because it's from Tennessee. Okay, well we'll talk about tonics now, and I had some tonic water in a glass of wine recently and was surprised at how nice it was. It, it's lovely, and tonic is just one of those things you should have in the house. Um, white port is um, something that people sometimes get given or find or end up buying, not really sure what to do. Then it's a very pleasant drink, just served on ice and or just served chilled. With a, you, you can use it as a not quite a dessert wine because it's not quite sweet enough, but more as an aperitif. But what they do in Portugal is they throw in some ice, maybe a sprig of mint if they have it in the garden. Mint should still be available, um, and then some lemon, mint, ice, and then top it up with tonic, and you've got this lovely sweet sour 
bitter, sweet, refreshing drink. Um, I did it for my wine class last night, and they weren't sure, and um, they loved it and asked for more. Um, but I was going to say just about the tonic, is Schweppes is the classic, and um, all you know, gins will all work quite well with Schweppes, but you need to be aware that there's now some other really good brands of tonic out there, and it's something that people might have missed. If you're in the branches of your local supermarkets, or even good off-licenses, you'll see Fentimans is a really good one, and Fever Tree. Fever Love Tree is the, the one that is tree. capturing everyone's yeah. imagination. Love it, yeah, yeah. With, with the short cross gin from the yeah, north. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So short cross in Belfast is great. If you want to support someone from the Republic of Ireland, I would go with Dingle or Blackwater, uh, both of them which are really, really good. And they're different in character. I mean, Chocos has lovely, lovely spicy character to it, but I actually am drinking a bit more Blackwater at the moment. But then the Mammy's from Capaquin. Okay. That's the, uh, that's the hometown of that. Oh, and can I just mention one other one? At the Whiskey Awards this year in the gin section, we all turned and looked at each other when the name was given as the winner, the, the championship winner was uh, Thin Gin, a brand new gin from Waterford and it literally hadn't even hit the shelves when it won the award, it was their first batch went straight to the, uh, to the competition and, and won first place and the two gold medals given were Dingle and Blackwater, I'm not sure Shortcross entered so I, don't think I, I, won't, I won't include them but, but as you say Shortcross is excellent. Well I think you've given lots of ideas there Leslie I know in our house we like to offer somebody something different from what they normally drink but if they still want their normal gin and tonic that's fine, I think it's important not to force it on to somebody because it's not everybody's cup of tea having a cocktail but it is very important to offer the non-alcoholic option and I actually have the elderflower cordial at home there there's a lovely lady near where where I live in in West Limerick and her name is Eileen O'Sullivan from Black Hill Farm and she makes lots of different things, but elderflower cordial is one of hers, so I have it to really? take I do, up I don't, to I don't know about her, her I And there is, there's lot, you will find small production ones. Just the only one that I can, I can think of that is actually sort of national and sort of making it on a large scale and is available all year round is, is, is the other one I said. Um, can I just give you one last little thing? A lot of people get given bottles of Prosecco, and not everyone likes Prosecco. It's a little light, it's a little sweet for some people. But if you, you can jazz it up by putting in... Um, Pope strawberries. Now, I know strawberries are not exactly seasonal, um, but the uh, Bellini cocktail, which is for pulped, um white peaches, is, is your absolute classic from Venice. White peaches aren't available now either. People often use maybe a bit of peach snaps or something. But the Rossini cocktail, which is my favourite version of it, is where you mix in pulped strawberries. And you can sometimes pick up cheap strawberries at this time of year. They're not really good enough to eat, but they're certainly good enough to pulp and throw into a bit of Prosecco. Um, and you could also similarly do that with a bit of tonic or something, and that would give you a, a, a cocktail with a bit of stirring and a bit of... Uh, a bit of elbow grease into it as well. So do you put that into the glass first and then add the Prosecco and do you yeah, stir it or do you just let it sit at the bottom of the well, glass? No, you, you, should, you should put the, the, the always put the, the more viscous liquid in first and then put the, the lighter liquid in. So the, the, the more viscous is the, the strawberry, so put that in first and then um, the Prosecco. And yeah, you may need to give it a little stir just to keep it. It depends on how finely you've pulped it. Um, but uh, um, it, it, just, it shouldn't really need stirring. If it, if it, if it, and the half and half is about right. But just sometimes if it's left sit, obviously the, 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 the denser liquid can sink. But, but the, the fizz if, should keep it going. Just on the Prosecco as well, but be, people should be aware that, that, that they'll see some Prosecco's for a tenner and some for 20, and they'll wonder why. Um, this, this Frizzante Prosecco is priced at the same price as regular wine, and Fumante Prosecco is priced at the same price, um, the same tax level as champagne, so to double the price. Um, and it's just one of these anomalies in our system in that we um, tax people for putting bubbles in their drink. Um, and so the, the lower fizz, cheaper um, Prosecco, the Frizzante, isn't very fizzy and may not work as well for, um, for sparkling cocktails like that. 
And I have one other quick question for you before you go, because we're we're running out of time here. And that is, we've talked about sherry earlier on in the year. Should the sherry be in the fridge? Oh, I like it in the fridge. I mean, not everyone does. I mean, ideally, your better dry sherries and stuff will probably be better at about 10 degrees rather than fridge temperature. But, you know, don't be afraid. I mean, I've just been away, and it's very common in, in I was in South America, lucky me, um, and um, the wine is regularly served, the red wine and everything is served cold and they see no problem with that it's the same in Spain um, don't be afraid to chill down the red wine this idea of room temperature room temperature comes from a time when the rooms were about 16 18 degrees which is the same temperature you should be serving wine at you should ne- certainly never be serving red wine at, at or sherry in my view at 22 degrees and I would definitely chill down something like Harvard's Bristol Cream if that's what you have any want to use up it just needs a bit of cold and to take off the sweet edge to it um, but it is probably bad to put dry Amontilladas and dry Olorosas if you've, if you've been adventurous enough to buy those. Uh, and by the way, all the supermarkets have really good deals in those at the moment, especially the, the chains from the UK and Germany and stuff. Um, you'll, they're best served at about 10 degrees. A little cool, but not very cold. Fantastic. Leslie, lovely to talk to you. Have a fantastic Christmas and we will catch up in the new year. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks so much to Rachel Keeley, Susan Boyle, PJ Hartnett and Leslie Williams. Hope you get out and about this week to do some fantastic Christmas shopping and I'll be back at the same time next Tuesday. So until then, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!